the data learners. This is Tori, your in-house data scientist. And this is Sami, your in-house not data scientist. The data learner. Yeah. This I podcast guess. is really about you. But we're like learning to get you're learning things too, right? Definitely. About how bad I am at learning. <laughs> I think you reinforced for me um, some important lessons, such mm. as APIs, which we're going to talk about later today. Oh, APIs. Okay. Sorry, they upset me a little bit today. Tell me more. So, uh, I've been working on this project, the Open Parking Ticket Project, which I've talked about so much so far, and I'm using the Google Places API to feed addresses from the Open CSV file for parking tickets to get the latitudes and longitudes. And I found out that there is a geocoder API, which might do a bit of a better job than having to go through the JSON file of the places API. So I went and enabled the geocoder API. I think I'm saying that right. And I was about to send and run my program through. And I said, wait a second, this API charges $4 for every thousand requests. Maybe I should just check the length of the CSV file to see how many queries it's about to send it. It ended up being <laughs> that I almost sent 252,000 requests, which would have totaled somewhere around $1,000 for all of my requests, which would have been really expensive. So I'm glad that I double checked. Uh, even with the extra $300 of credits, that's like a $700 bill, which I was not prepared to handle. So yeah, yeah, good to do your due diligence on that kind of stuff. Length of your requests, like when you send requests, Google makes money off of those things. So be yes. careful. Yeah, that's an important point. Um, so I work for big companies and our cloud provider bills for a small-ish data science team of like, five to 10 people is in the thousands, sometimes tens of thousands per month mm -hmm. for the data scientists and the engineers we work with and the analysts as well. So we don't usually have to worry about that. There was definitely one time where an engineer who didn't really know what they were doing um, wrote a program that racked up 50,000 in one week. <gasps> and they got in trouble for that, but kind of like a- Just in trouble? Yeah, kind of just like a, hey, let's not do that again type of trouble. <laughs> okay. So we're pretty spoiled, but yeah. Wow. Doing data science can be a little bit expensive. The thing that we have to worry about more than the cost is rate limits. So if we're hitting an API or scraping a service that isn't paid, uh, they'll frequently limit your request to a certain number per hour or per day mm -hmm. so you're not allowed to exceed that and that's just to prevent people from overloading their servers and also just from taking all their data like maybe sometimes they'll let you have some but not all mm -hmm. of it i guess they're they're also like making money off of that too <laughs> it's not just abusing their server or something like that yeah it's also the offset costs for like electricity energy that kind of thing yeah um, and also like their data is very valuable too yeah for sure. Yeah, but APIs are Absolutely. good to talk about <laughs> because I feel like a lot of data science courses, you just learn the machine learning part and you don't learn all the surrounding skill sets. So I yeah. think your program is really interesting to talk about. So 
why don't you kind of briefly talk me through how you solve this problem of your uh, $250,000 uh, data set. No, it wasn't $250,000 data set. It was a $1,000 data set. It was $250,000 okay. requests that I would have sent at $4 per 1,000 requests. Okay. So, Tell me about your $1,000 data problem. <laughs> so I decided to not pay for it. And the way that I'm going to do that is to continue to use the Google Places API. Um, because the Google Places API does give me latitudes and launches, I just have to short through like a JSON file, which is fine. It's not that bad. Um, and then beyond that, there's a lot of duplicates of addresses that have tickets on them. So what I've done in my program is create a separate dictionary of unique address locations or addresses in Oakland that have parking ticket data. And what I'm going to do is just send those unique values over. So I'm not requesting like a thousand times for one address. Um, that's particularly helpful, especially when like there's there's one address, one airport lane or something like that. It's for the open um, airport where there's like just thousands of tickets, tens of thousands of tickets. The city makes probably a lot of its budget from there. And that'll just, that'll kind of solve my problem. So I've made a dictionary of the unique values and I'm going to then request of those unique values, the location so I can have like key value pairs of address and location. So I'm not sending a bunch of requests for each column or each row. I'm just using information that I collected without duplicates. Nice. I think it's reasonable. Yeah. So is that done or is that what you're working on now? So I was working on that a lot today and yesterday. I used up my 1,000 requests uh, per day yeah. um, figuring this out. So that's going to be another thing where I have to, one, keep track of where my program ends. Mm. Right? So if I like use 1,000, like... And then the program like sends you back an error message or put some sort of like wait 24 hours and then start up again thing on there. So that might mean that I have to leave my laptop on and not turn it off and make sure it doesn't like stop doing whatever it's doing. That's definitely hard. So mm -hmm. just to recap, you want to get um, latitude and longitudes for each address to help you do this analysis where you look at how many parking tickets are in a neighborhood and compare it to the income of those neighborhoods to see if there's any relationship there. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, you are submitting your addresses to this API that's going to return the latitude and longitude, but you can only send a thousand per day. So now you have this problem of you need to keep track of program state and restart it each day, which is surprisingly kind of a common pattern in data engineering ah. like when we have to migrate databases or something like that you guys have limits too. yeah like mm. something goes wrong there's an error and the program stops or misses some rows but only some mm -hmm. and so we have to go back and figure out what's already been sent and what hasn't and it is way harder than just doing it all in one go so one thing that i wanted to know was like a lot of times when i think uh, this data is big and it would be so much easier if the data was small. How can I downsample that? So there's a couple ways to think about that, like either by time or just like a random sample. Have you considered either of those? So I think that my unique values definitely downsamples it. If, definitely. If like you think of each entry. Definitely. In the, yeah, it definitely does a good job of that. The other thing I was thinking about maybe doing is really similar addresses where it's like 1024, 1023, 1022 of the same street in the same neighborhood mm. right yeah. I wonder if there's a way I could downsample that I think what I can do 
before I decide that I need to downsample is I can use the CSV in Excel and figure out how many different unique values there are. Because if there's like 8,000, 9,000 unique values, you know, regardless of the 1024, 1022, 2023, like those are slightly different locations, right? It could correspond to a different uh, neighborhood. So I don't necessarily want to do that unless I have to. So I think it'll be important for me to take a peek at my data before running this thing again and see exactly how many different unique addresses I have. And if it's within something that I can do in a reasonable amount of time, like less than like, I don't know, what do you think, 15 days of sampling? Yeah, I mean... Or maybe like a week, because like we do this podcast weekly. It'd be nice to have yeah. things week to week. Yeah, and I'm also thinking about your whole project end to end. And I think it's so great to do the, the podcast this way where we track your progress every week because it really shows what really happens when you do data science. Ah. We literally <laughs> haven't even talked about how you're going to model this data. Mm -hmm. We've so far talked about how you're going to get the data and how you're going to clean the data and join the data, right. which is 80% of data science. Yeah. Yeah. So, and 80% of this podcast. <laughs> 100% of this podcast. The other 20% is uh, complaining about getting data, right? Yeah. If you want to do it in a week or two weeks, it's up to you, whatever you're comfortable with. Because I, I think what I can do while I'm waiting for that data to collect is work on the other parts of this. And we can talk about how I might model it and start working on that ahead of time. Um, at least maybe I can start learning the skills I need to model the data. How do I use, what was it, Seaborn? Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of times when I'm waiting for something at work, I'll just find a way to start on the next stage of the project, mm -hmm. um, either with dummy code or a small bit of data. So why don't you just take the thousand that you have from your daily, your first day's day and start with the next phase of the project. Yeah, exactly. And, and in that sense, you know, you don't have to think of the project as like something that's super linear. Like I imagine that in the workplace, you're always looking for how to maximize your time while you're in the mm -hmm. office. You don't just wait an entire day while you're collecting data and do nothing, right? Uh, no, yeah, no, that's right. Should I edit that out? <laughs> uh, no, that's actually absolutely correct. Cool. So that's great. Yeah. So that, I guess we should set some goals for next week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One thing I have to make sure is that my program actually does work. I think I have it working. I know that when I go through... Sometimes the Google Places API gives me, like, that's not a value. And sometimes it does give me information back. So I have to make sure that there aren't, like, certain addresses that it's not taking into account because mm. of something specific about that address that's it hasn't called other things. So I think it's not working for some reason on some addresses, but it is working on other addresses. So yeah. I have to do a little bit of debugging there. But I think I've got, like, the basic structure of the program and 95% of it figured out it's just a little bit of debugging I have to do. Okay. So yeah. I don't think I hit my goal for last week. Your goal was get the latitude and longitude for all addresses, which hasn't happened yet, but that's okay. I think you made really good progress. Mm -hmm. So okay. that can still be your goal. Okay. Cool. So Sami has a goal. <laughs> my goal is to get our Twitter handle looking better because right now it's looking a little plain, but we Ooh. do have a Twitter handle and you can now follow us at data learners. Just at data learners? 
at Data Learners. We got the good handle. With an S at the end of it. With an S. Multiple learners for all of you. Pretty excited. We also have a Gmail account, uh, which I don't really have to do much work to make it look nice. (laughs) It's just data learners pod, P-O-D at the end, at gmail.com. So feel free to shoot us feedback either through Twitter or through Gmail, and we'll either get back to you or, you know, give you a little shout out on our show. data science and programming works every now and then you spell things wrong you're typing really fast so if anyone wants to buy a data leader's gmail for me you're welcome to <laughs> um but i guess that's it for this week yes if uh, you have time to lean you have time to learn damn it <laughs> okay bye <laughs> <laughs>